6: The opinion claims to be based on nation historical past, but does not account for the reality of today. It ignores the present and it endangers our future. While nothing changes today, and we want to be clear on that, nothing changes today. We have been preparing for this decision and will continue to do everything possible to work with our federal, state, and local partners to protect our city. We will collaborate with other mayors, municipality leaders and governors and will leave no unturned stone as we seek to undo and mitigate the damage that we are witnessing today. Those efforts would include a comprehensive review with the Corporation Counsel, our Chief Counsel, and other legal experts to assist us in this matter. As we start to define sensitive locations when carrying a gun.
1: The Mayor is- of New York City, Eric Adams, and he is just, you know, apoplectic about the ruling of the Supreme Court yesterday. Justice Thomas wrote the the opinion. It was a 6-3 to three decision, uh, and it struck down New York's unconstitutional gun regulations. These big cities have been making it so difficult for citizens to carry guns. It's the same in D.C. It's not a big city. D.C. is a kind of a small city. It's the same in Chicago. Lori Lightfoot is apoplectic over this as well, uh, because for whatever reason, they don't want citizens to be able to protect themselves. And uh, I, I, there's a very interesting exchange between, oh, what's her name, Alcindor, who on MSNBC, followed by a comment uh, by uh, Leon Spears, who is teaching, a black gentleman teaching um self-defense and carrying guns in DC. And I just think this will help to explain the significance of what just happened yesterday. Clip four.
5: Who are advocates for new gun laws and new gun restrictions. This is devastating to them. They feel like this is gonna make America less safe. You have people that think in blue states that they're in some ways protected from that. That if you live in New York or California, that you somehow will not have to deal with the sort of conservative things that you see happening in other states.
6: It's so empowering to teach people in D.C. about um, the ability to carry a firearm. How I don't know how many people are my clients that actually are just empowered that, number one, they have the ability to carry and defend themselves and their families. Um, they want to be law abiding and the criminals are choosing every day. Um, not to uh, not to uh, go by the strenuous process of buying a gun, getting trained, um, getting background checks, getting, getting government approval. Um, the, the bad guys aren't doing that. Uh, people just want to be able to defend themselves to the best of their ability, and that's what the Supreme Court said today.
1: Basically what's been happening uh, is that especially black people People that live in the inner city and live in the hoods where things are so violent, uh, the cities have made it so difficult for citizens to—it's very expensive. They require training. They require all of these devices. They have all of these rules. And a lot of people that don't have a lot of resources just can't carry a gun because they can't jump through all those hoops. And that's what basically the decision did is, isn't it ironic? And, you know, after uh, the Civil War, I think it was after the Civil War that the United States— did not allow black people to carry arms. Uh, Black citizens should know, it should be in their bloodstream, why they need to be able to defend themselves for all kinds of reasons. They understand why they have to defend themselves from government and ruling. They went through that before. The rest of us are now experiencing that. Uh, but now it's, it's violence in their streets. This is where the carnage is, is in, you know, some of the neighborhoods in Chicago and in Washington, D.C. So now, uh, based on this decision, the six to three. Now, look, I, I can't, I'm not prepared to explain to you all the details of this, but my understanding is that, well, I'll just read to you what Justice Clarence Thomas wrote in part of his opinion. He said, the constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not a second-class right subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other Bill of Rights guarantees. The exercise of other constitutional rights does not require individuals to demonstrate to government officers some special need. The Second Amendment right to carry arms in public for self-defense is no different. New York's proper cause requirement violates the Fourteenth Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms in public. And all I can say is, bam, bam, there you go. That's a decision from Clarence Thompson. By the way, he issued that decision on his seventy third, 74th birthday. <laughs> so uh, people were noticing that and uh, happy about that and congratulating him. You know, and it's interesting because the, the media and the left are after him with such a vengeance. And his wife, Jenny, and man, he's just the happy warrior. I saw a picture yesterday of him just smiling. He's got the greatest voice and uh, countenance. He is a great man, and so he just issued this decision right in their face, just bam. I love it. It was a six to three decision. By the way, uh, across the you know, the not too far away in the Capitol, because the Supreme Court building, the Capitol are close. Uh, not so. Um, uh, Senate Majority Leader Schumer has passed the Safer Communities Act. And no Republican could be happier than John Cornyn. He is beaming because he and his 15 other compatriots, with the help of Mitch McConnell, have passed this law that will require red flag laws, which will make it possible for your guns to be confiscated from you without due process. Your neighbor can just say they're worried about you or they're concerned you have strange behavior. Or a family member can do that, one of your kids who is on the far left, who doesn't speak to you anymore, can turn you in and you can lose your guns. It's as simple as that. But listen, hey, it's a bipartisan bill. And so Roy Blunt and Richard Burr and Shelley Moore Capito and Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, John Cornyn, Joni Ernst, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, Mitt Romney, Tom Tillis, Pat Toomey, and Todd Young from Indiana all voted for it. It was just... They had you in mind. Don't worry. They were only thinking of you. They're actually only thinking of their election prospects in the future. I saw a picture of them, which I I wish I could show you. There's just an expression that I don't, I just, it's unbelievable. It's like um, they're not happy warriors. They know they're not doing the right thing, but, man, they are hell-bent on bending you to their will. They will rule you. They will rule you if they can. And that takes me to the next uh, unhappy instance yesterday. I happened to come home. I was gone in the afternoon, and I happened to walk into the house and turn on the television. Oh, boy, much to my dismay to hear the last part of the J6 hearing yesterday. And what they did was they had lined up a lot of Justice Department officials who were in place during President Trump's years. It was a pretty disgusting destruction of a person. I'm going to get to that in a minute. It's not just him. It's Jeffrey Clark is his name. And uh, he was uh, the deputy attorney general under President Trump, and the story is that uh, Jeffrey Clark wanted to uh, pursue some of the, voter, the claims of voter fraud. And so what happened yesterday was that former acting Att- deputy attorney general, general, general Richard Donahue Uh, said he spoke with many of the assistant attorney generals in the department and asked what they would do if Jeffrey Clark was appointed to replace Rosen. By the way, Rosen's name will come up here. Rosen was uh, a McConnell acolyte, okay? But he's the champion in this story. If you listen yesterday, he's just the champion. And so this is what um, McDonough, said. He said, the president turned to me and he said, well, one thing we know is you, Rosen, You aren't going to do anything. And um, he said, I said, well, Mr. President, and, and President Trump went on to say, you don't even agree with the claims of election fraud. And then I said, well, Mr. President, you're right that I'm not going to allow the Justice Department to do anything to try to overturn the election. I would resign immediately. I'm not working one minute for this guy, Jeffrey Clark, who I just declared was completely incompetent. And so the president immediately turned to Mr. Engel and said, Steve, you wouldn't resign, would you? And he said, absolutely, I would, Mr. President. You'd leave me no choice. You're going to lose your entire department leadership. Every single AAG will walk out on you within hours, Donahue said. I said, Mr. President, within 24, 48 hours, you would have hundreds and hundreds of resignations of the leadership of your entire Justice Department because of your actions. Oh, that that hadn't happened. Oh, that President Trump didn't assign Jeffrey Clark to head the the Department of Justice and let all of those hundreds and hundreds of people, including Donahue and Rosen, walk out the door. That would have been the greatest gift he could have given us, but he didn't. So I'm going to go now um, to tell you what's happened. They spent at least 10 minutes completely excoriating Jeffrey Clark, calling him incompetent, incapable I don't even know Jeffrey Clark, but I know a lot more about him now because friends of mine know him, and these are the things I've been hearing. It's not what they said. And so I think I want to turn, rather than me explain this to you, I want you to hear uh, the report of someone who's close to this issue. Hang on just a second. I've got to find his name. Uh, it's Alex Brusewitz. I don't know Alex either. I didn't have time to even look. But this is what he knows a lot about this, and he recorded uh, yesterday— his defense of Jeffrey Clark. And I want you to listen to it. This is clip nine.
3: Hey guys, so today you're gonna to be hearing a lot about a man named Jeff Clark. Uh, Jeff Clark was the only person at the Trump Department of Justice who was willing to investigate claims of voter fraud. He obviously wasn't able to. There were zero investigations into claims of voter fraud. The American people were denied the transparency they deserved following the 2020 election. Jeff wanted to give the transparency, but he wasn't allowed to. And so today the Unselect Committee is going to drag out former Acting Attorney General Jeff Rosen and former Acting Deputy Attorney General Richard Donahue to trash President Trump and trash the qualifications and intelligence of Jeffrey Basser Clark. And so I want to make this video to tell you the truth about who Jeffrey Basser Clark is and not let the, uh, the January 6th Unselect Committee and the two witnesses who didn't witness anything uh, drag Uh, Jeff Clark's name through the mud. So here's the truth about Jeff Clark. Jeff Clark was a top graduate of Harvard and then Georgetown Law. He went on to serve in George W. Bush's administration as the Deputy Assistant Attorney General of the Environment and Natural Resource Division. After that, he became a partner at the prestigious law firm Kirkland & Ellis, one of the biggest law firms in America. And during his time at uh, Kirkland and Ellis, he oversaw the Deepwater Horizon oil spill cases for BP. He won 85% of his cases for them. That is significantly more than any BP lawyer at the time. Because of his success at Kirkland and Ellis, he was appointed and then confirmed with bipartisan support to serve as the Assistant Attorney General of the Environment and Natural Resource Division. There he oversaw 400 attorneys, worked hand in hand with the Trump administration to roll back job-killing regulations and make America energy independent for the first time in our country's history.
1: All right, so that's the first part of Alex's uh, explanation of who Jeffrey was. Now, before he gets to the second part, you guys hold the break. I want to finish this last clip. Before the break, I want you to know that on the same day that these former Justice Department officials were trashing him, you should have heard the things they said. He's incompetent. He's not capable. We would never serve under him. We would all resign. He's horrific. He's all of this. The FBI went to his home at an early morning raid, had him out in the street in his pajamas. All right, that happened yesterday, the same day they were doing this hearing. I want you to hear the rest of Alex Brusewitz' defense of uh, uh, Jeffrey Clark. Let's listen.
3: And then because of his success as the AAG of the Environment and Natural Resource Division, Bill Barr then appointed him to become the Acting Assistant Attorney General of the Civil Division. And so he was doing both roles, Environment and Natural Resources and And civil at the same time. It's over 1,500 lawyers that Jeff Clark oversaw. That's incredible. Nobody, I mean, that's the only person in Trump DOJ who oversaw multiple agencies. And then after the 2020 election, when tens of millions of Americans were concerned about what took place on November 3rd, Jeff heard those concerns and apparently wanted to do the right thing and investigate. And clearly he wasn't able to. And so now they're attacking him. They're slandering him. They're destroying his life. They're trying to cancel his jobs. And Jeff's a good man. He cares deeply about our country. He knows a lot more about the Constitution than mouth breather Adam Kinzinger and corrupt Adam Schiff. He even taught at the Scalia School of Law at George Mason University. And so know the facts, know the truth about Jeffrey Clark. Do not let the January 6th commission lie about these people slander these people and just get away with it jeff clark has four children four young children who need are going through school and this commission is trying to destroy his life remember that these are that's who these people are these people are evil they hate america they hate you and they're gonna try to destroy the lives of anybody that calls out the regime and wants to do the right thing so god bless jeff clark and uh just know the truth
1: all right that's Alex Bruce, which, by the way he I, he's a top conservative political consultant, advises members of Congress and the Senate, and that's uh, and other things. But I just wanted you to know that's a little bit about who he is. You guys can run the music. I just want to say this uh, what we are experiencing, you may remember the name Stockholm syndrome that came from when Petty Hurts, the Hearst, the big uh, heir to the Hearst fortune in California was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Front and killed by them for several months. And whereas she was an opponent of their cause because they were trying to hurt her family, uh, gradually over the months she began began to agree with them and actually went out and robbed banks with them. We saw shots of her. They started calling it the Stockholm Syndrome, uh, where a person would start identifying with their captors. I think this is what they're trying to do to us as Americans. They're trying to brainwash us with these really infuriating lies, a constant drip of them, and I'll come back in a second and I'll tell you why they are lies. I'll remind you, because you might be tempted to fall into the Stockholm Syndrome. Don't do that. The only antidote to this is truth, and I'm going to give you a heavy dose of it this morning, so stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses. Watching your hard earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. Metashare has a new option called Metashare 65. Metashare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. And it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. You can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE.
1: This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today, we pray for Elizabeth Hoyer at the office of the pardon attorney. She assists the president in his exercise of executive clemency as authorized by the United States Constitution. Matthew 5, 7 reminds us of the importance of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask you to guide Elizabeth Oyer as she advises the president. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello,
5: Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next.
7: Hey, this is Evangelist Nick Hall. Coming this summer, Together 22. 50 years ago, Explo 72, led by Billy Graham, rallied an entire generation to share the gospel. This summer, June 24th and 25th, we're doing it again. And it's free. Together 22 will feature some of the biggest names in Christian music. Some of the best preachers coming to equip
5: you. More information at Pulse.org. The left-wing hate groups love to attack yours truly. Planned Parenthood, the human rights campaign, either taking things out of context or intentionally lying. They've been doing it for years. The other day, Right Wing Watch wrote a nasty hit piece. During a recent TV interview, I reminded people that Trump supporters were brutally attacked during the 2016 presidential campaign. One of the most violent happened in San Jose, California. Trump supporters were pelted with rocks, bottles, eggs so vile even Hillary Clinton condemned the attack. A 15-year-old boy was beaten in Rockville, Maryland. Four teens threw him to the ground and kicked him in the ribs, the kid's only crime, wearing a red MAGA hat. Right-wing watch said, I was lying. There was no evidence. Well, you can be the judge of that. I've posted links to the attacks on my website, ToddStarns.com. We work very hard to bring you the news, fair and balanced, and right-wing watch needs to know that now we're watching them. I'm Todd Starns
0: don't forget to connect with sandy rios in the morning on getter or email sandy at sandy at afr.net that's sandy
4: at afr.net sandy rios in the morning on american family radio i don't think that that nancy pelosi was ever going to allow any republicans who were going to do the kind of cross-examination that needs to be done so if, if Leader McCarthy says, "Okay," she said no to two of our members. I'm gonna, I'm gonna point. She'd have found a reason to always object to someone because this is the outcome she wanted. I think the outcome we're at now, where it's completely partisan, one-sided, just, just a presentation, not any type of cross-examination, no, no, no due process, frankly, uh, at all in this, in this entire uh, committee. I think that's what she wanted because this was all about political. It's all about getting at at, at President Trump. So I think inevitably we would have got... Now, maybe if Kevin McCarthy says, well, uh, I'll put on five people who voted to impeach President, five Republicans out of the 10 who voted to impeach President Trump, she might have s- accepted that. But I think this was inevitably going to be the position that we were going to wind up in. Um, when, when you have a uh, Speaker of the House who's willing to go against 232 years of precedence and not allow for the first time in American history the minority leader to put on the select committee the individuals he or she had selected. I think you were you were always going to wind up in this position, but of oh, that, course it'd be better if we had folks. I'd love to be on there and cross-examine the witness. There's all kinds of things you could ask and and get at all the hearsay, all the all the stuff they've cherry-picked and the hearsay and everything else they're presenting in this package form where they read off a teleprompter. For goodness sake, I mean, what, what other committee? We never read off tele- when we, when we defeated President Trump in the uh, in the impeachment hearing, we didn't read off any teleprompter. We just we did the work you're supposed to do in these committees.
1: Yeah. So what he's talking about, of course, they hired this uh, big producer to produce this event. And he's scripting everything, so the committee members, <laughs> the congressmen, are reading from this, you know, teleprompter, carefully scripted, uh, edited pieces. And then they're editing. I don't think Jim said it in this, but they're editing. Uh, they're, they edited out a, an important word that he said uh, to make it completely different. That they edited out President Trump's uh, statement to go to the Capitol peacefully. They edited out peacefully. This is this is the kind of junk and garbage that they're doing, and they are putting. This is not funny. This is absolutely disgraceful and frightening because this is the kind of thing, certainly when I was growing up, we saw in the Soviet Union, we could not believe how people were being treated and maligned. And of course, as I grew up and traveled in more and more communist countries and saw that that's kind of the way it is in totalitarianism, you began to understand it. But to have it happen here, to have it happen here, we have Republicans parading across that dice, You're giving the committee whatever they want uh, actually giving half truths, I saw um, just the things they 've done to john Eastman the the edited the the slanted way without any kind of pushback at all again, I, let me just say this would be like if you went to trial and they only allowed your prosecutor to speak and bring witnesses against you, and they didn 't allow for any defense would that is just uh not justice. It's never been the way it's happened in America. They're not a courtroom. They are a Soviet-style committee. That's perfect. They always had committees in communism, the committee on whatever. So, yeah, the comrades had their committee, and they are destroying people's lives. And as I told you, they just raided Jeff Clark's. He was the deputy attorney general. They raided his home in the early morning hours. You just heard... Um, uh, our g our, wow, what was his name, Alex Brusiewicz, talk about uh, who he is. He's got little children. He's got incredible uh, qualifications. They just slandered him yesterday, so talking about how unqualified. And because he supported looking in to voter fraud claims, by the way, we'll put Alex Bruce, which, uh video on our getter page so that you can see that, okay? Because I want to arm you with—you uh, need to be armed because uh, it's not enough for me to just say it's not true. We have to give reasons why it's not true. So I've got some other things to arm you with, okay? This is the next thing. This is an article by Margot Cleveland. It's called—it's J- a long, long—it's uh, in the Federalist. It's the J6 Committee Focuses on Election Fraud Claims while ignoring tactics used to rig the 2020 election. Very long uh, title, but we'll put this on our getter page too, but it's Margot Cleveland. So I just want to give you an overview, as Margot has done here. Thank goodness for Margot. Uh, she says, The January 6th show trial continues this week in the House with several partisan aims remaining in focus, chief among them conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. That's the Stockholm Syndrome. Conditioning the public to believe the November third, 2020 election was the most secure in American history. Uh, By limiting their focus to select and disproven uh, claims of election fraud, the Democrat stacked House committee provides a bait-and-switch primetime presentation designed to convince you and the country that Trump lied to his supporters when he declared that the election was stolen. I want to just also interject, well, since it's gone through my mind, the only thing I uh, disagreed with Jim Jordan on what he said in his interview was this is not uh, just about getting President Trump. It's not just about getting him, and it certainly is about doing. They want him arrested. They want him in jail. They want to destroy him as much as they can. They don't want him to run, but even if he ran, I maintain to you they would want to destroy him because that's the way totalitarians operate. It's not good enough until they're dead, actually. But they are after you. They're after all of you that went to January 6th. They're after all the millions of you who voted for Donald Trump. Uh, thus, you know, the uh, Mike Pence attorney on the bench, what on the, you know, before the J6 committee, happily testifying, uh, that you know, we are a danger. We are a danger to this country. You and I, those of us that supported President Trump and election fraud, it has a much more wide-reaching, destructive. Uh, it has a it has a destruction of mind. They just, by the way, uh, um, in the, in an early morning raid, also arrested uh, to, uh, election officials in Nevada. I didn't get to that yet, but hopefully I will. But this is back back to Margot's piece. So she says they're they want to condition the public to believe there was no voter fraud, this was the most secure election, and Joe Biden won fair and square. Basically, that's it. Anybody that says anything else is a lie, and it is the big lie if you repeat it. I'd say, if it's a lie, then why don't they let people testify to other opinions? It looks like a lie would be exposed, right? But no, you can't believe your eyes about what you actually saw and you can't hear it anymore because they have to take off social media, scrape any kind of, uh, destroy Michael and Dell, destroy Sidney Powell. Anyone who had an opinion other than theirs has to be destroyed. Okay, back to her article. And the election was rigged, says Margot, with every illegal drop box placed in Democrat-heavy precincts. The election was rigged when the Pennsylvania legislature unconstitutionally authorized no excuse, absentee voting, and when Philadelphia clerks illegally inspected ballots and then told Democrat activists which voters needed to cure their ballots for their votes to count. The election was rigged when Wisconsin election officials ignored the state election code, telling voters they were indefinitely confined because of COVID and that nursing homes could ignore Wisconsin's requirement that special voting deputies oversee elections in residential facilities. The election was rigged when every dollar of Zuck bucks, that's Zuckerberg dollars, designed to get out the Democrat vote, and with every leftist activist embedded in county clerk's offices to push such efforts while accumulating untold voter data to the benefit of the Biden campaign, the election was rigged when Georgia rendered the election code's mandate of signature verifications inoperable, and the state court delayed a hearing on Trump's challenge to the Georgia outcome until after the vote certification thereby ignoring evidence that more than 35,000 illegal votes were included in the state's tally, more than enough to require a court to throw out that election. All of these these things happened during the November 2020 general election, and none of them fall within the category of fraud. Um, And in the fact that the case of Wisconsin, an investigation by the Senate's Office of Special Counsel concluded, rampant fraud and abuse occurred statewide at Wisconsin's nursing homes and other residential facilities. Elections can also be rigged when media, establishment, and social serve as a state-run outlet for its favorite political candidate. The election was rigged by the press uh, by refusing when they refused to bear the secret that Hunter Biden provided his dad, the big guy, a ten percent kickback from all the millions he got in his pay to play scandal. The election was rigged when Twitter blocked the New York Post's reporting on the Hunter Biden laptop and the material uncovered. The election was rigged when the same legacy and social media outlets that censored the explosive Joe Biden scandal, instead of, instead promoted the false claim that the Post reporting was Russian disinformation. And the election was rigged when the lap dog media outlets pantingly ran the Russian disinformation cover story to protect Joe Biden, knowing that Attorney General William Barr's Department of Justice would not leak the truth, but would instead preserve its independence and remain silent when the corrupt press lied to the American public. And then she concludes, I'm, I'm skipping around, needless to say. She said the election was rigged against Donald Trump six ways to Sunday. And that article we'll put also on our Getter page. It's in the Federalist J6 Committee focuses on election fraud claims. I'll just give you that part in case you can't uh, go to Getter. There are other things I just must tell you. I was going to open the phone lines a lot this morning, but I feel like I need to equip you with what's happening. The other issue they talked about was this, what do they call, a fake electors or fraudulent electors and how that's supposedly a crime. And, um, it's not a crime to establish a second slate of electors. If you feel that there are disputes in the election, it's done before it's done by Democrats. It's been done. And yet now they're calling this a crime that various States like Nevada. And I think, I'm not sure what the other States were, uh, had in place other electors because there were disputes in their States and they wanted to be ready to have them go and cast their votes. So, um, uh, so Mo Brooks actually, now the issue of pardons, they're talking now about uh, how uh, Congress, were, they're, they're presenting it as though it's an admission of guilt that congressmen, allegedly Republicans, ask for pardons from President Trump. Mo Brooks has shed some light on that uh, because he actually uh, reached out to President Trump and asked for, uh, he asked if there could be pardons for uh, the, i got to find the exact text. There was concern that Democrats would abuse the judicial system by prosecuting and jailing Republicans who acted pursuant to their constitutional or statutory duties under US, uh I can't read the, the number here. Uh, their stat- statutory duties. So they were afraid that the—there were concerns <laughs> that the Democrats would abuse the judicial system by prosecuting and jailing Republicans who acted pursuant to their constitutional duties. You know what? I can't imagine that. Can you—I can't imagine Matt Gates and— uh, Mo Brooks and uh, Jim Jordan and others. I can't imagine them thinking that the Democrats would abuse the judicial system and come after them unlawfully. But the, w- the way it's being presented now is uh, this was a sign that they were all guilty. They knew. They knew that they'd done something nefarious, and so it just proves it. They went to ask for pardons. They didn't get them. I wish they had gotten them. Uh, but President Trump, uh, you know, tried to show caution at every turn, but you know, they rolled him. They've just rolled him. And so um, Mulbrooks also has been asked now to testify before the J6 committee. He said he will, but here's the deal. He has specifically demanded that the deposition be public with the media present and that, listen to this, he will not take questions from the committee counsel, who was a paid attorney, but from members themselves, which is usually the protocol. Members themselves ask the questions. They don't read from teleprompters and then turn to their attorney to ask the questions of their witnesses. It's a back, you've seen a million times in Congress, these hearings. Uh, but that's how they've controlled the narrative and made sure that nothing favorable, no, no defense testimony, no full explanation is allowed. So Mo Brooks says, yeah, I'll go. I, I'll, if a media can be present, it wants it to be open and he wants the members to be the ones that question him. And then he says, yes, I'll do it if that's the case. So, um, all right. So that's, uh, those are some of the main things I wanted to tell you. I think it's very important. Now, I think it's time to talk to you. I, I know that you're just bursting with, uh, with just comments, just things that you've seen, concerns that you have. So let's talk. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840 is the number. And uh, this is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
5: would you do?
8: Aunt Sadie, I appreciate your thought behind the gift card but I just can't take it I promise not to shop at Target because they allow men in areas that need to be private and protected for women and children. I hope you'll go to afa.net slash target and learn about it. I'm not giving them my
5: money. Aunt Sadie didn't know about AFA's call to boycott Target but she knows now and so do you. Learn even more at afa.net slash target. afa.net
0: slash target
2: For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Look briefly at one of your fingers. You've just witnessed one of the greatest displays of God's creative intent there is. No other person in all the world, even an identical twin, shares your fingerprint. God specifically designed each of us to be unique. That means we shouldn't try to carbon copy anyone else in the Christian faith. If God made you an arm in his body or a kneecap, praise be to our glorious God for drawing us to become a part of his body. How freeing it is to realize that we were never meant to copy anyone
0: but Jesus. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
7: Telling Bibleless, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign, Stand With Them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten when he came to Christ. He's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's Word to 16,000 Bible-less, persecuted believers. We're short of this goal, and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at SendBiblesNow.org. SendBiblesNow.org.
3: This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. It's no secret that domestic
0: terrorists are intent on inflicting violent harm in our country. It turns out, though, they're not the white supremacists we're incessantly told are the greatest threat. Instead, they are anarchists and Marxists who have seized on the impending Supreme Court ruling on abortion as a
3: pretext to inflict a summer of rage that could make that of 2020 pale by comparison. It remains to be seen whether groups like Jane's Revenge will be joined by unknown numbers of others, including possibly military-aged men who have entered this country illegally since Joe Biden opened our southern border and admitted tens of thousands more from
0: Afghanistan. What we do know now is that if our security agencies remain focused on phony threats conjured up by proponents of critical race theory instead of real ones, our peril will be enormous. This is Frank Afney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
1: All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. I want to remind you that the J6 Truth and Light Freedom Festival will be taking place in Springfield, Missouri, on July 2nd through the 3rd. And you are eligible to go, but you have to sign up. You need to go to j6truth.org. That's j6truth.org. You can get lots of information there. And also, if you want to help them financially, because as we said before, The J6ers that are in jail are struggling. Their families are struggling. You can be very generous and make a huge difference at giftsandgo.com and look for January 6th Truth and Light Freedom Festival. January 6th Truth and Light Freedom Festival, and you can give your generous gift. All right. Uh, There's so much to say, but I want to talk to you. So our phone number is 888-589-8840. Let's go to uh, Tennessee and talk to Linda. Good morning, Linda. Yes.
8: Yes, thank you for taking my call, Sandy. You're a blessing to me every morning. I just have one comment. I've been a mail carrier for over 21 years, and the last election, I, there are so many that just they sent out they sent out so many uh, requests for absentee voting that were made up addresses, made up names, and people that had been dead for over 10 years. And it just, it, I've never seen anything like it. And it was rampant. And I live in a rural community. And it was ridiculous. And there's no doubt in my mind that it was fully done by so many bad people that have been just, it's ridiculous. And it breaks my heart.
1: Well, Linda, I guess the thing that the thank you for sharing that with us, and let me just say, you're affirming what I'm trying to reestablish in my own mind and in everyone's mind is to believe what you've seen and what you've heard uh, from good sources. Don't let them make you crazy, because that's what they'd like to do. Uh, and we know what we've seen, we know what we experienced. You just explained what you experienced. I know I watched a lot of those uh, those uh, election hearings, and they were compelling. So compelling, but uh, Linda, thanks. Uh, I appreciate that you've just uh, you've just reestablished truth again for us. So thank you. Let's go to Frank in uh, Kentucky. Good morning, Frank. Oh, actually, let's go to Frank in Kentucky. This line. Hey, Frank. Hmm. All right. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't know why that's not coming up. So. Oh, okay. Aha! Uh-huh. I see. Okay, well, the lines are filled, but we're kind of slow getting the calls up there. So, um, all right, so I had a—oh, I, I know what I want to uh, say to you. Uh, I want to talk about John Eastman just for a second, since we're waiting for the uh, calls to get registered here. Uh, John Eastman, I mentioned this yesterday, but I feel like I gave it short shrift. John, of course, is under attack because he advised uh, President Pence that— um, actually, he, what he actually told President Pence was to wait and let the state's— uh, sort their problems out before he accepted those electors, in some form or fashion. That's the general gist of what he said. And he is being excoriated like he's he's horrible. They're hounding him. They're, he's had to sell his house. It's horrible what they're doing to John Eastman, who also has this incredible pedigree. And he wrote an article for uh, the uh, Wall Street Journal because they came out with an editorial bashing him. Gosh, they hate Trump. I'm just sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. The editorial board hates Trump so. Uh, So John comes out in his own defense, thank God for that, and he talks to them about the historical precedence of having, um, uh, waiting to count, or having, uh, how the electors are handled. I haven't got time to go into that, but it's the Vice President's Electoral Count Powers, and it's in the New York Times, and we'll put that link again on our getter page from yesterday. Okay, let's see if we've got, uh, do we have Brenda now? Hello, Brenda, are you there? Hello? Yes, good morning. Good morning. So, did you go last night to Goochland's two thousand mules thing? Thing? I did. I did. Yes,
8: I went with my husband and a friend of mine, and I was amazed at a lot of the people that were there. But I get—I'm just amazed that this is not on regular television or in the movie theaters. I mean,
1: the evidence is just right there in front of everybody, and everybody needs to see this documentary. You know, Brenda, what's happening is that you, I don't know if you. If you've ever watched, I, I, this I want to recommend to all of you, that you either buy the book 1984. It's just a little paperback. It's not long, or you there are movies made on that book 1984. If you'd rather see it in a movie, and it is a description of how totalling, <coughs> excuse me, how totalitarian governments and uh, propagandists manipulate the truth by withholding. Uh, evidence and that's what's happening. We are there. Prop- this is a time of revolution. I don't know what else to say in this country. And the left is uh, is seeking the revolution. They are, in fact, the insurrectionists, and they're trying to deceive uh, the American people by not giving them all the truth. So, so that's that. Brenda, thanks for that. How big was the crowd last night? Um, there was, I
8: mean, like <laughs> several hundred people. Goochland is just a small community in our area. But uh, it's, I mean, people were fired up. I mean, really fired up. And I know it's going to be in some other counties around here soon. But, again, I'm just disappointed that this can't get out more, that it's not talked about more.
1: All right, so then you—you yeah, then that means you and I and everybody listening has to spread the word. That's the only way it's going to happen. Social media is censoring us. Sorry, I'm choking again this morning. Uh, so this it's up to us to do the best we can. Remember the old uh, John Payne. Letters and the revolutionary texts uh, that were passed around secretly during the revolution uh, against the British government. That's kind of where we are. So uh, we just got to, uh, I guess, channel—that's <laughs> the wrong word for Christians to use—but channel the spirit of our founding fathers and just continue to fight until we can't fight anymore. So Brenda, thanks a lot. I appreciate that report. Thank you. Let's go to um, uh, Let's go to Donna in Texas. Good morning, Donna. Oh,
2: good morning, Sandy.
1: So what's on your mind?
2: I just want to say that um, I found y'all's radio station probably about three months ago. Um, It comes in and out because it's kind of far away, but I talk to people when I go out and more and more people are getting um, fed up with the mainstream media and the news channels. They say they can't even turn them on anymore. And so I just tell them to go to AFR or ASA.net and uh, look up, you know, some real news, the truth, because they're not getting the truth out. And I cannot stand to look at it anymore. I just can't. I don't even want to turn it on because it just, like you, it just makes me sick to my stomach. They're only saying what they want us to hear. And if people would look at Hollywood, like you said, 1984, everything in Hollywood is telling us the truth. It's not a conspiracy. It's truth out there, and they're doing it actually through movie stars.
1: And all oh, yeah. Of Everything. Every possible, every button they're pushing, Donna. It's true. And so, listen, thank you for doing that, recommending AFR Talk. Let me just say to you and to everyone listening, you can, if you have a smartphone or your computer, you can download AFR Talk. AFR Talk. And then you'll have a place where you can go and listen to our program's Uh, any time of the day you can hear the podcast later if you miss a broadcast when it's live and that will help equip you uh, and especially in areas where you can't get a station very clearly or not one at all Uh, this is a great tool and so let me recommend that that you try that donna god bless you and thanks thanks for your encouragement let's go to christina in texas a lot of texas calls this morning good morning christina
9: hi good morning sandy Um, I've only started to listen to you since I think October when the vaccine mandate came on, but um, I'm so impressed by all your skill in journalism, so thank you for putting it out there for us. But, you know, on the first hearing of J6, I was on CNN on my computer, but then on another tab I was on Fox, and there were two things I couldn't help but to notice. One was I would have expected that CNN did a lot of, quote-unquote, technical issues and stuff, but instead it was Fox that was doing that. But that was one observation. The second observation was the fact that they didn't have the same thing on the screen, and I wonder how, if this is live, how did they not both have the same thing on the screen? And then thirdly, and when they showed the clips of the quote-unquote insurrection, as they call it, they were so different from the clips that I had seen on some of the resources that you mentioned, and it, it, like you said earlier, it's frightening how much they edit it to make it look one way or the other, you know? And I just kind of wondered your opinion on those observations.
1: Well, Mary, it was Christina, sorry. I got a lot of names here. Christina, uh, one thing I can tell you, I was with Fox for eight years as a contributor. I used to just love Fox and I uh, when I was on radio in Chicago, I used to f- push Fox. They were when they were new; it was just a oh my gosh, a breath of fresh air. But Fox is a mixed bag now, and their news, uh, their news department is terrible. I think we realized how terrible on election night. If anybody was watching it live, <clears throat> they can't be trusted. And most of the uh, like uh, John Roberts and most of the news shows are they just they do it's not very different than what you get on CNN. The only place you can find some real truth on Fox right now is uh, Tucker Carlson, Marie Bartiroma, <clears throat> um, uh Laura Ingram, and I'm sure I'm missing maybe Jesse Waters. I'm sure I'm missing some, but you can't you can't trust all the shows. You just can't. They've gone the way. Uh, uh, they they their owners uh, hate Trump and they are leftists. So um, we are left with <clears throat> like Newsmax has some great programs, and if you can get one America News, uh, you have to get that online. <clears throat> it's not on cable anymore because they took it off. I can't imagine why can you, Christina? Uh, We're living in an an age of propaganda, so you have to search harder for the truth, but you can still find it. Thank God you can still find it. And so, Christina, uh, thanks for listening, and I do my best to be worthy of your trust. I really do. I work really hard. Uh, I'm trying to follow a lot of things, um, and it's hard sometimes for one person to follow. I have lots of resources. I have incredible resources. So the things that I tell you are not uh they're 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 sourced by people that i know and trust so um i i appreciate you listening and um so welcome let me go back now to um <clears throat> excuse me um oh, this uh, let's go to, to uh sarah in mississippi good morning sarah hello hi quickly if you can sarah good oh. morning thank you for uh,
2: taking my call uh, I just want to remind the voters in Mississippi, Republican voters in Mississippi, 3rd District, there is a runoff Tuesday, June 28th. The uh, challenger, who is
8: a lieutenant uh, commander in the um, Navy, uh, retired, uh, who fall, flew fighter jet, Michael Cassidy, actually got more votes than the incumbent and the voters in that district District Three have an opportunity to primary a rhino.
9: Yeah.
1: Oh. Don't okay, Sarah. Tuesday. This Tuesday. Yeah. Well, we'll be talking about the primaries Monday and Tuesday of next week. So that's a very good tip, Sarah. Appreciate you calling. Thank you. Let's go to um, <clears throat> Let's go to Ohio. Hey, Joe. How are you doing?
5: Uh real fine, Kathy. Oh, Cassie. Uh, <laughs> Sandy. No. Sandy. hand. <laughs> Now, I know. I'm talking fast so I can get it through. There's a movie out nobody's talked about, and I got it in my hand. It's called Capital Punishment. Have you heard of the movie?
1: I've watched it. Yes, I have. have. I'm sure I talked about it at some point.
5: It's uh, by Nick Searcy. He's the one that directed it. You know, he did Gosnell, also the movie. And you can get the movie, by the way, and dot CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. And uh, I think it's the best. I've ever seen on, uh, Janu- January, January 6th, 2021.
1: Okay, Joe, that's a great tip. Thank you so much. CapitalPunishment.com. CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. And so CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. We'll put that on our getter page as well. Joe, thanks for the tip. Let's go to, um, you know, I have to say something. I've got so little time and you know, I'm going to go back to the phones as much as best I can. I want to tell you quickly, I hate doing this quickly, but um, I'm going to be with you a, a few days next week, and then I'm going to be off for a bit. Uh, and Christian Anderson, Christian, <laughs> Jay Christian, I always call him that. Oh, boy. Christian Adams will be hosting and also Fred Jackson. Uh, I'm going to have some medical stuff done, and I'm, I'm just fine. Please do not worry. I really am. But I have to have some stuff done so that I can come out on the other side and really be better. (laughs) So I'll be back, but I'll be off the air for a couple of weeks, and I I just don't want you to worry or uh, even worry about me or worry about the fact that where am I, where am I? Because you're going to be in good shape. They're going to be doing the show. You know, they're so competent, both of them, and they will give you the news that you need. And you're going to hear my voice from time to time. We've got some interviews that we're going to drop in that you haven't heard yet and some that you have. Uh, And so um, I'll be with you in that way, but uh, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Everything's fine, really and truly. I've been blessed by God with really a good diagnosis. We just have to take care of some stuff, okay? So don't leave me while I'm gone, and please tune in because they're going to be doing their best to give you uh, really good factual information. They're both men of integrity, and you're in very good hands. So uh, that's the scoop with me, and I'm sorry I didn't get to you know how this is. This is how it is. I just can't get to everything, but I want to. Maybe in my next life, we'll do a you know 24-hour radio show. Like I think Steve, uh, I, I think uh, yeah, other people do that, but I can't do that. I'll be right back Monday. Sandy Rios in the morning.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith.